It is Free Talk Live. And you are free to call in and talk live here on the airwaves. That's what we do on Free Talk Live. I'll give you the number here shortly. It's Mark with you. Jay and Michael. Michael, sitting in for Angie, you are uh, for very good reason, right? I am. Yeah, you're, you're, you're her husband. I <laughs> am doing right. that, yes. And you've got a story you brought in for us that sort of uh, speaks to your speciality, which is kind of, you know, roving computer repair guy. Yeah, I'm a computer guy, 24-7 <laughs> PC guy. Yeah. So, yeah, this story comes from Microsoft.com. Uh, online scammers cost time and money. Here's how to fight back. So, um, I mean, yeah, I, I think everybody's dealing with either people calling them or, uh, you know, trying to reach out to them either through email or Facebook. And there's just it's all over the place. I hear there's MILFs in my area. It's very possible. Yeah. I'm not sure you uh, uh, need someone to call you for that. Though. No. There's websites uh, for it. Yeah. Well, I, I bet there's not. <laughs> So a message pops up on your screen. It screams that your computer is at risk or has been infected by a virus. Or you receive a phone call from someone claiming to be from tech support. Or that they've got my my car warranties run out or a whole variety of things. Yeah, they're Apple Care, they're Microsoft, uh, some other thing to steal money from you. When I had the uh, F-250, I used to love to tell them, oh, yeah, my warranties run out. I'd love to get that. Yeah, it's a 2002 it was an F-350, wasn't it, Jay? Yep, that's yeah, that's right. F-350, rusted out. I'd love to get some body repair. Can I get a warranty on this? So they hang up on me. I used to tease them, too. I'd be like, yeah, my truck's got 400,000 miles on it. Uh, so if I bring it down to my buddy Joe and, you know, he's going to replace the motor and engine and stuff on it, uh, you know, what's it take for you guys to send him a check? And they're <laughs> like, well... You, you have to use um, our certified, I go, oh, so this is kind of like buying health care I really can't use, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they, they really don't want to help you. Uh, and then before you know it, responding to these warnings has delivered your passwords and personal information to the scammers. Your How do they get your passwords and personal information? I mean, what do they do? Put a... Uh Keylogger or something uh, on? There's a couple different ways. Keyloggers would, uh, would make the most sense to us, but... Actually, I've seen them request that the customer bring up, you know, they bring up like a notepad uh-huh. and the customer will type the password in plain text onto the screen. So as the scammers remoted into their computer, they can see it. Okay. So why, uh, how do people fall for typing your uh, password into a notepad? I mean, they, they can see the notepad surely, right? They can. My experience has been most of the people that fall for this are older. Okay. Uh, they're very nice, yep. but they're gullible. Yeah, sure. They they uh, just don't get it. And the scammer can say, yes, I need you to type this password here for, you know, I may need it later to make sure the password wasn't compromised some other place. Gotcha. At this point, once they're remoted into their computer, they kind of have them, and they're pretty vulnerable. Is there any circumstance ever in your life that somebody is going to legitimately ask you for your password? I mean, I guess your wife might want to know, um, have it, but I mean, Maybe other than wife. that, um, no. So, other than an extraordinarily close family member, and I don't recamend that, um, that nobody, Microsoft, Apple, the United States government, Jesus Christ, nobody's going to call you and say, I need your password, right? But, oh, they're going to call you and say they need your password, right. but a legitimate call, no. Okay. 
But they probably aren't those. Uh, Microsoft is probably not going to ask you for your password, nor is, uh, you know, I, I mean, even the U.S. government. Nobody's going to ask you for your password. A Microsoft couple, is not calling you. A couple of years ago, I got fished uh, using purse.io. Uh, okay. And what had happened is um, somebody uh, sends me an email uh, via, like, purse or was a purse notification. It might have been a notification right within purse. You, and and it, I think it was in a purse chat, and now you can't, like, put like websites or any kind of links or anything like that in your in the purse communication chat and purse is the uh, thing you use uh, bitcoin or bitcoin cash to buy things at a discount on amazon right it's uh, save at purse.com is the website that's s-a-v-a-t save at purse s-a-v-e-a-t save at purse.com so anyways i was i had bought several things using purse uh, all kinds of stuff and this was like three years ago, four years ago, it happened to me. And I had um, the, I was basically a transaction that the guy was, you know, sending it to me. And he sends me a message saying, oh, confirm that everything is correct on, on, this, on this transaction or something like that. So I clicked on it and uh, it brought me up to what looked just like the purse page. Mm. And it asked me for my password. And I foolishly put it in there. Right. And I had like, you know, I don't know, 0.85 Bitcoin in there, which is like $8,000 today. You know, Bitcoin right. was like 600 bucks when this happened. Not terrible. Not a whole lot then, but lots yeah. now. It's just, I mean, just the fact that I, I mean, it was a, it was a valuable lesson that I, you know, paid a, you know, a small price for yeah. basically. Uh, but anytime, like any of these things like that you're logging into, especially if it's anything to do with cryptocurrency, asks you to like log in again or do the password again like on your computer uh i just i stop because like i'm not like a really you know good with computers i don't understand them like you know michael does know that you know and ian and stuff but um i i stop so and i just I just and even like i'm i'm so careful that if like a website wants me to the only way i can log in it's like through face facebook or like gmail or google something i don't even deal with it i won't even go to those websites uh just because I, I don't want any of my stuff getting stolen. Sure, you know, Michael. What do you do if uh, you you're, you're wondering whether you should put your email into someplace? I mean, you know, obviously you have to put these uh, your email and, and password into something. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously you have to do that sometime on uh, on the computer. Yeah, only put it into a place where you want to be. So you have to look at the URL, verify, double check the URL, kind of thing. It requires a lot from the customer, or, <laughs> you know, the user. Yeah. Sometimes in your browser, there's a little green lock that should show just to the left of the address bar, and the address bar is the thing that has the the long uh, numbers and letters where you actually are online. Mm -hmm. do, do all browsers have this lock? Uh, most that I know of do. Chrome, Firefox, and uh, Brave certainly have it. I imagine Edge has something like that too, but I wouldn't use Microsoft browser for anything. Okay. Not well, very secure. Yeah, so going back to the purse thing where I lost that money, that cryptocurrency via getting fished via purse, I went back and I looked at the actual page that I went to. It said purse dot. It did not say I.O. It said something. I'm not even going to say else. what it said, but it right. did not say I.O. It said something else. Yeah. So it was just, it was a scam that was set up. Yeah. That's what they do. So in continuing with the article, a new Microsoft survey of 16 countries released this month focused on tech support scams and their impact on consumers show less people are now susceptible to these scams. 
and the percentage of respondents who've been exposed to them decreasing. Overall, so people are learning hard lessons. Well, losing money is, yeah. uh, as Jay was just uh, lamenting, that uh, that's the best way to learn. I just hope that uh, Nigerian prince gets his throne back. I mean, you know, it's important to me. I, I bet they all will get their throne. <laughs> well, this has happened recently. A friend of mine who uh, operates a Bitcoin machine uh, was telling me that some lady, older woman, came there to buy Bitcoin and was asking him how. And he's like, oh, what are you buying it for? He goes, oh, I'm just going to send it to my boyfriend in Africa. What, bro? And uh, he's like, "That's not your boyfriend. It's not your internet boyfriend. You know, this is you know, this is a scam." And and he was like, "I, I really don't want to help you f- facilitate this transaction because it's a scam." And she was convinced it's not. But you know, just like the Filipino girls got you know four or five dudes, maybe ten dudes, as we do for a career that are you know sending them you know fifty bucks a month or a few something. bucks here and there. Yeah, yeah same thing. Probably. Now she's in love, so good luck trying to convince her otherwise that, yeah. that she's wrong. Yeah, good luck. So it, I can see why some people choose not to sell um, cryptocurrencies to people that are in that situation, but ultimately they're going to find some way to get it anyway. Yeah. In all likelihood. So if faced with an unsolicited contact from a reputable tech company, 38% of consumers would try to block that company from making contact in the future, and 33% would look up the issue online. 46% of consumers rely on search engines to research tech support scams, and 31% use company websites. Yeah, that's uh, those are some of the best things that you can do in that circumstance. The number, 855-450-3733. Tell me about the online scams you've dealt with. 855-450-FREE is in free talk. Free Talk Live. Call in, talk about whatever you want. Specifically, though, we're talking about online scams and, you know, how to avoid them. It's uh, it, 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 it's, it's an issue and it affects, I think, probably everybody at some level or another has been caught to some extent. And I'm not saying that you, you know, lost everything in a bank account or, or whatever, but, you know, I mean, there's been times Back in the early days of Bitcoin, I got got. There was a uh, website called mybitcoinwallet.com, and I let them have uh, all the Bitcoins I had. Now, remember, Bitcoins at the time that I put them in there were worth like a quarter. Now, I mean a quarter of a dollar. Right. <laughs> and I put like 45 or something, $10 worth. That's what Gavin Andreessen, the head developer of Bitcoin, had paid me for a lunch uh, or whatever. And I think I might have bought some more. Maybe it was before that or after that. I don't even know. I I put them in there, and that wasn't an online bank. That was just somebody else's Bitcoin wallet. Somebody else's bank. Yeah. Well, my brother lost some Bitcoin at Mt. Gox. Yeah. <laughs> which was, you know, supposed to be an online bank. Right. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Mt. Gox uh, failed and fell through. If you want to find out about all the latest news concerning cryptocurrency and Bitcoin cash and, um, you know, this kind of thing, you go to Bitcoin.com. They've got a great website, especially for the beginner. If you go there, you can just how to get started or getting started, I believe is what it is. It's right there at the top. You can watch the videos and find out what is this. 
And then as you figure it out and you learn more, you can you can go there, you can buy Bitcoin, you can get a Bitcoin wallet. They've got whatever it is that you need at Bitcoin.com. As a matter of fact, they've got new and interesting ways for you to acquire Bitcoin. You can buy Bitcoin with a credit card. I was just telling somebody that uh, today at Bitcoin.com. That's that, Bitcoin.com. That Bitcoin.com uh, website, I've recommended it now probably to about 30 people. Uh, at least 10 of them have used it because, you know, people just don't really, you know, listen to your recommendations. But in my business, I give people a, a steep discount for uh, cryptocurrency versus paying me cash. Uh, and whether it's snow plowing or, you know, property maintenance or whatever I do. Delivering hay. or Yeah, or delivering hay. And uh, so but the people who have actually gone through, checked out Bitcoin.com, usually what it is, I get a text message a day or two later. I bought some Bitcoin cash. What's your, what's your uh, Bitcoin address? I want to go ahead with the job. Uh, I've never had anybody call me up and be like, "How do I set this up? What do I do?" So that tells, and these are like people who, you know, they have smartphones. Some of them got skills. Some of them just, you know, one guy was like, "Just people who want to buy hay." <laughs> one guy was like sixty years old, and he's just needed to buy. Actually, he needed to buy hay for his wife's horses, and. Two days later, he's wanting my address. So, yeah, Bitcoin.com is really good for just getting people through it. It uh, works. Yeah. Website's pretty. So let's go on with these uh, scams that Microsoft uh, is t- talking about. I'm sure they're, they're talking about their own solutions. Yes, they want you to buy Windows to fix it. <laughs> well, yeah. People are still losing money and time. Three out of five consumers have been exposed to a tech support scam in the previous 12 months. And one out of five consumers were tricked into continued engagement with scammers, often leading to victims losing hundreds of dollars to these fraudsters. Have you ever gotten a call from the IRS that says that your social security number is going to be suspended? I got one the other day. I don't even have a social security number. (laughs) I'm like, that's so awesome. How do I get my wife's social security number suspended? You know, like I'll I'll talk to these, you know, they they're foreign sounding folks uh, right away. They they have no idea what they're talking. Like they you know, they're confused when they get a hold of somebody like me. Look, if somebody's told you your social security number has been suspended, ask them first. Does that mean I get to stop paying taxes? I don't think they'll have an answer. And I've never heard of a social security number being suspended, so don't worry about it. Yeah. It's obvious scam. Definitely the scams keep happening. I deal with this all the time with customers who well, have... Um, what happens? Uh, well... Tell me a story. Some So someone called uh, a customer of mine on Sunday and said that they were Apple Care. Okay. Uh, this customer has no Apple devices in their home, uh, is not an iCloud subscriber, a fairly intelligent person. Uh, he's a machinist. He has a machinist in his garage. So their scam is uh, pretty convincing. You know, to get somebody like that. Yeah. Anyway, they give them a random link to go to, and uh, before you know it, they have remote access to your computer, which means that they are in your computer. They can move your mouse around and see any files that may be on your computer. Now, that you haven't lost yet, Not right? Not yet. No. Nope. Okay. Uh, where you start to lose is they begin to show you these perce- uh, these problems that they've created. Like, they'll delete all your files and send them to the recycle bin. All your okay. stuff's still there, and that's going to be their fix. They just restore what's in the recycle bin. Uh, and then eventually they get you to give them a credit card to some extent, and uh, that's where the problem starts. Okay. So once you hook up with them through this link of theirs, it immediately throws all your stuff in your recycle bin kind of thing? or No. they You allow them. The customer has to say, okay, I will allow you into my computer. Okay. There are prompts on the screen that say this. 
But a lot of people don't really read that stuff. They just click allow and okay and whatever. Yeah, sure. Make the pain stop. Well, if uh, if somebody, you know, if you, if you think somebody's a remote fixer of computers, then sure, you're going to let them have access to your desktop. It's not like I've never allowed any one of these people on the phone to have access to my desktop. It's very common. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunate. You probably fix people's be, computers via remote access on their desktop. I do. That's a high percentage of my business right. is doing things remotely. When I fix their computer after these sorts of things happen, I put a shortcut on their desktop so they, they can get connected with me very quickly. Right. And I always recommend if they ever get anything like this, call me first. You know, if you think Apple's calling you and you think it's legitimate, hey, put them on hold and call Michael. Mm-hmm. I've had customers call me before and then... They conference us in with the guy on the phone, and that's an interesting conversation. Yeah, <laughs> should I'll record bet. those. <laughs> uh, but you know, if you're using a credit card or something like that, usually there's not a lot of harm because the credit card companies will dump that pretty quick. Okay. Uh, so what happens is they, uh, you know, they get access to your computer. They, you know, delete your files off of it, put it in their recycling bed, get you to pay them four hundred bucks or whatever. Then they restore them, and then once you realize that you've been ripped off, you can call the credit card company and say, "Hey." If you realize, yeah, I've had customers who have continued uh, relationships with these scammers for months. Okay, uh, and then out of the blue, they get a call one day and tells them that, uh, okay, well now your your plan has run out. It's another five hundred bucks. Okay, and that's when they call me. Uh, yeah. twelve hundred is about the highest I've had a customer report that they had problems with before they the bells started going off and they realized maybe something was wrong. Yeah, yeah, oh, well, that's amazing. Well, it's I, it doesn't surprise me. People people are they don't want to learn about you know computers. I don't. I want it to work. Well, even like the city of Baltimore, uh, they got hacked their computer system. Yep. And they were holding it hostage, and to like replace all the computers and do everything that needed to be done through the city contractors was millions and millions of dollars. Sure. Twenty three millions of dollars but these guys all they wanted was like 50 grand in bitcoin or, or some cryptocurrency and they're like no we're not paying it we need to support our contractors and yeah. supply our computers yeah our union contractors ransomware yeah yeah that's, that's what it was. the new popular one it's funny that the people out of malaysia don't give a darn whether they're holding baltimore or you hostage they just, they, either way it doesn't matter to them ransomware is pretty easy to protect against so long as you got decent backups and then it's just an inconvenience but okay being a government entity uh, no, it's no wonder they don't do a very good job of uh, IT management. The number, 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733 here on Free Talk Live. Or you can use the Discord lines at discord.freetalklive.com. Takes a little bit of setup, but it, you sound a lot better. Business owners, you want more customers? Accept cryptocurrencies. There's people all around you just waiting to spend money at your store. If only you would take it. I know, you've been waiting till someone else makes it easy. Well, good news. Help me take Bitcoin.com adds Bitcoin to your point of sale. Totally free. Use the same equipment you already have now with Bitcoin. And unlike credit cards, there's no fees. Let the guys at HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com bring new customers to your store. HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com Free Talk Live. We're live seven days a week, 365 days a year. Well, 
live. We produce a new show for you 365 days a year. And generally, if it's between 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. Eastern Time, you can call in and uh, talk here on Free Talk Live. That's what we do. That's what we try to make available for you. Sometimes we do traveling shows where we record ahead for the day. But, uh, you know, that's just because we're traveling. I can't take calls at that point anyway. It's Mark with you. Jay. And Michael. The number, 855-450-3733. We're talking about scams. Online scams, phone scams, it doesn't really matter because they're all out there just trying to get your money. And, you know, they're not providing you a service for it. It it stinks. It feels bad to get ripped off. It It, feels terrible. Yeah, it makes you feel dumb. And... You know, obviously they're they're tricky enough to get people to do it. That's why they continue doing it. It's working. I think they're preying on people's belief that uh, most everybody is good natured. Uh, and again, this happens to all the customers that I've dealt with are, are six in their sixties or older. Yep. Let me go uh, tell you about uh, Freedoms Phoenix. It's a liberty-oriented news aggregation site. I get lots of my show prep from Freedoms Phoenix. If you want the newest, freshest stories and perspectives on current events from those who value liberty, freedomsphoenix.com has it. Their daily dispatch is the best way to stay up to date on science, technology, historical findings, liberty news, government overspending, and the rise of the police state. Freedoms with an S, phoenix.com. It's freedomsphoenix.com. So it's a huge problem, says Doug Shadell, state director of AARP, formerly the American Association of Retired Persons. Well, what is it now? I have no idea. Maybe it's just AARP. This is the first I'm hearing about that. Yeah. Maybe something a little more politically correct. I think you can join at like 50 or something. I don't know. What, what's the age for AARP? I can look that up while you're talking. I think maybe their uh, uh, part- uh, members were dying off, so they had to drop the age a little. <laughs> Uh, so, who says the organization's fraud center receives thousands of calls every month from people targeted by scammers? When somebody calls them up and to tell them there's something wrong, they get anxious and may just follow instructions. A variety of things can happen. A robo-dialer might call, threaten to cut their service off, or warn them that someone is trying to hack them. Out of fear, they call back or dial 1, and the next step is the scammer takes over their computer. It's a little more complicated than that, but it's... If, they're, if they got them hooked to that point, yeah, they're probably going to take over. The more benign scenario is the scammer tells them they'll take care of the virus for $300, and maybe that leads to recurring fees. Or they can download malware that infects their computers, going into personal address books, stealing logins and passwords. Mm. I bet they do that if they can. If they've, got that, if they've got that software, they're getting it. I have not seen any that are... That are that sharp. Okay. Like, if I was going to do this, that's what I'd do. I'd have a package that, okay... Once I'm in your computer, you download this thing from the internet, and boom, it would just send all this stuff on your machine, and uh, you you may never be able to get it off unless you completely do a reformat. How would you? How would a computer program, besides just giving you a huge dump of information, gigs and gigs of information, how would it know what a password was, what it looked like, what a username was, and what it looked like? I guess it would be programmed to look for those. Okay, things. I, don't I don't know. Mean. I'm not a programmer, but I'm sure it exists that you have a. Uh, you have a program that looks for specific things, you know, password management, like Google, for example, Google Chrome. Most people who don't like have a password on their machine, you can plain text, and that means you can see everything without any sort of extra password. You can see in plain text all of your saved passwords. Okay. Uh, so if that's bad, if these people knew what they were doing, they would just uh, go in, check 
check for this particular thing, make a screenshot, and they'd have all they needed in just a minute or two. All Unfortunately, right. they don't know any of that. Fortunately, some do. <laughs> some will. Shadell says AARP likes it when consumers call them to report scams before they have fallen for it. Once a person has lost money to a tech support scam, it's much harder to deal with. Microsoft has partnered with AARP since 2015 to build awareness around tech support scams and has developed a joint booklet encouraging AARP members to report these incidents. Yeah, I think that, you know, when it comes to scammers, a lot of them, I mean, yeah, there's some boiler rooms of scammers out there, but a lot of them are small-time operations and very difficult to to find. I mean, if I had to theorize on it, I'd say that you've got a couple people that sort of know what they're doing. And most of these calls are usually people from other countries that probably are doing this for very little money. Yeah, I'm and sure. And they get one giant bonus if they get a fish hooked. Yeah. Uh, I don't know this for a fact, but that would be my guess. Yeah, a lot of, uh, well, I mean, there's a story I've seen online of this lady who was, uh, you know, an actress who was sort of playing up that she's, I've got no money. I, I can't pay this. You know, she was, you know. Broke. Playing it up to the uh, the guy on the other line, the scammer, and he finally breaks down. He's like, "Look, this is a scam. You, you do not do this." It's all he could take for that day, <laughs> right? And he just couldn't rip this poor lady off. You know, talking about the baby and the whole deal. I'm not a single mother. You know, whatever she's saying, and he's like, "I, I, I, I gotta go." You know, he can't do it. Don't I do- recommend when customers know, like I have people report this to me that know better. I say, hey, just keep them on the phone for a while. Mm-hmm. Like, you know better. They're not going to get any money from you, but they're going to get money from somebody. So if you don't have anything to do, sit down and have a chat with them. With any luck, they get enough of this every day to begin realizing that, hey, I'm, uh, I should probably find a different line of work. Yeah, I wonder, I mean, if, if, if there was somebody you could sort of turn them over to, that would be uh, you know the best bet. I know that there's these robocalls that there's an app out there that'll yeah. talk to the robocalls and just kind of keep it tied up. Uh, which is amusing, uh, but I know. hear that advertisement on uh, Facebook. When I, I mean, I YouTube, and I'm listening to some stuff, and I looked at it. It costs five bucks a month to use the app, and I read a bunch of reviews, and you know, they they were like fifty fifty whether it was good or bad. Mm. So, well, there's certainly a lot of uh, YouTube people pranking these, uh, you know, or YouTubers pranking these scammers when they call in. Yeah. And it makes for pretty good entertainment. I say leave it to the pros. Jim <laughs> Jim Florentine, if you guys. Uh, search him on the internet he did uh crank anchors years ago uh-huh and that guy's hilarious but it really isn't too often you get an actual human on the phone i've noticed with a lot of these you know calls i get because anytime i get a human on a phone i try to keep them there for a little while and have fun with them but most times it's computers and uh and then it will say, oh, I'm a computer recorded voice and I can understand what you're saying. Hi, my name's right. whatever. You're like, that's the worst. That's what I'm getting a lot right. of. Wasting my time with a computer. <laughs> yeah, so the rest of this article is pretty much just uh, them Fluff telling. Fluff piece for, for Microsoft? Yeah, they want you to buy more Windows and that is not the way to fix it. What um, You've had this happen to uh, other of your customers. Can you give me some ideas of what occurs and you know what happens and how they, they get caught up in it? Uh, so you get the phone call, which is uh, probably the most obvious that something should be going wrong. Yep. Again, Microsoft and Apple are not calling you. Right. The United States uh, government is not calling you. Nobody's IRS, calling you. Well, yeah, the IRS right. might be calling you, but I would treat them just like scammers. Well, the well, IRS scammers. Yes. Yeah. The IRS you can set an appointment with to uh, call them, um, and then you can look up their line on their number on the computer, 
and then you can call them back. So if there really is an issue with the IRS and they really are calling you, do not talk to the person that has called you. Say, hey, I'd like to, you know, uh, I'd like to set a time and I'm going to call back the IRS uh, number online and then we can, uh, you know, we can we can chit chat about this. But I'm not calling you. I'm not calling your number. I'm not doing any of that because that's what scammers do. And you, I like at this point, you have not uh, stepped above the level of scammer as far as I'm concerned. The IRS are a bunch of scammers that are just demanding money from you. However, they're a different sort of scammer. They're scammers that are backed by the United States government. True story. Amen with guns. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have to get that number for you because I've been trying to call the IRS for at least a couple of months and I just eventually hang up because I'm on hold forever. Right. Well, you know, I don't care whether I'm on hold or not. I call them, ring, ring. Oh, I'm on hold. Goodbye. But the other ways I've seen these scams. <laughs> they come they in, usually uh, send letters, the IRS. That's what they like to do. Uh, it's generally like advertisements. You'll be on a website, recipe sites are the worst. And you'll get an ad that pops up and tells you that uh, there's some crazy thing wrong with your machine. Oh, yeah. And you got to click on it. And that's where problems start. Yeah. That is bad. Because people think that it's some warning from their computer is just a pop-up ad. 855-450-3733. It's 855-450-FREE here on Free Talk Live. Or you can use the Discord lines. Go to discord.freetalklive.com. Talk live. Call in, talk about whatever you want. We're telling some stories of scammers here and hopefully how you can avoid them in the future. They're prevalent and they've got lots of different systems. And if you've got anything to that you want to share, the number is 855-450-3733. It's 855 free Michael, um, oftentimes, I mean, you, you do this computer fixing scam thing. Do you have a website? I do have a website. What is it? <laughs> it's bad. I don't advertise it. <laughs> 247pcguy.com. Uh, 247pcguy.com. G-U-Y.com. Yeah. Uh, How else would it be spelled? Well, sometimes G-Guide sounds guide. more like guide. I got it. Uh, that's my mush mouth creeping in. Right. Well, you are from North Carolina, so we'll have to forgive you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've got a story here that I think is a completely different tack, and it's it's kind of amusing but interesting at the same time when talking about rights and property rights and these kind of things. So coming from RT.com, Aussie, vegan, this will be fun, Celia Carden is considering further legal action after the Supreme Court of Western Australia rejected her complaints against her neighbor's barbecues in a truly barmy case of um, nimbyism. Carden claims that she couldn't enjoy a quiet suburban life in the comfort of her own back garden without being assaulted by the fumes from nearby carnivores cooking their nasty feasts. The uh, backyard back-and-forth battle with her neighbor. Uh, I guess the name is uh, Toan Vu, and his wife and children has reportedly been raging since August of 2017. Cardin's case seemingly went up in smoke earlier this year after her claims were rejected by a tribunal based on her lack of evidence. The Supreme Court of Western Australia subsequently turned her down in July. Ms. Cardin 
was given a fair opportunity to present her case, and the learned tribunal member conducted the proceedings fairly and appropriately, said the Supreme Court. Despite the ruling, Cardin has has vowed to continue her fight. It's been devastating. It's been turmoil. It's been unrest. I haven't been able to sleep, Cardin said, claiming that the smell of cooking meat, poultry, fish, in addition to cigarette smoke and the noise of bouncing basketballs, have all destroyed her quality of life. Sounds like she's living in the wrong neighborhood. She needs to go go get herself a little yurt and settle up in the woods somewhere, buy herself a dozen acres, and you know, and hopefully the crickets and the tree frogs won't annoy her too much. Uh, for his part, Vu claims that in order to keep the peace, he removed the barbecue and forbade his kids from playing basketball in the yard. Uh, the news sparked little sympathy from uh, Cardin Online, a neighborhood nightmare. Why can't people just leave people uh, to live in peace? She should respect the people around her and her choices, said one social media user. If you want that much freedom, move to where there's no other people, suggested another commenter, just like you did, Jay. In keeping with the tradition, some jokers have set up the community barbecue for Cecilia Cardin event on Facebook, calling on the community to help her get some pork on her fork. And the event will be apparently uh, operating a strict no vegans policy. So I guess the question that I have here is, is like, what level of uh, expectation do you have in your backyard? So if your neighbor was operating a landfill or whatever in their backyard, they're obviously driving down their own, their own property values, but uh, which is good because it means your property taxes should be less. I, I think <laughs> anybody who is of the mindset that they want their property to keep on increasing in value I, is is either an ignoranus or some status that just doesn't, you know, it just wants to, everybody else's properties to go up so they keep getting taxed more, in, in my opinion. but or, or, you know, a lot of people bought properties with the purpose of, you know, it's an investment now and they want it to appreciate in value so they can get more credit, you know, or leverage it or Buy a bigger one or something. Because your dollar is losing value. That's why your house's price is going up. What expectation does one have, though, as far as odors in the backyard? So in this case, we're talking about cigarette smoke and basketball noise and, you know, the smell of the flesh of uh, her her woodland creatures, uh, woodland friends, as being, uh, you know, wafting into her backyard. And it sounds like they live in a pretty suburban area. And I would say, oh, you got to be kidding. I want to have a barbecue and suddenly, you know, the vegan next door is, you know, giving me trouble. So... I mean, I just don't know. Like, where does it start and end? It's it's about the – clearly, there are some odors that can emanate from your backyard that would be considered by the community as a whole to be unacceptable, right? I mean, what if I had pigs or goats or cows? Right. And, and this happens a lot of rural America, especially California, New York, Massachusetts. Uh, th- what had happened around me in Massachusetts where I grew up, a little town of Palmer – we had a couple dairy farms, and one of them, the guy just was just sick of all the neighbors complaining. The dairy farm had been there literally since like 1864, right? And uh, you know, all the yuppies and idiots from you know Springfield and Worcester and Boston moving in. Yep, they they keep and, going farther and farther out, and they're uh, they want a little bit of the country life until they experience the country life. And and this farmer has some hard times, so in the 50s, he's got to you know sell a pasture. Yeah. To a developer. 
You know, it's a 20-acre pasture. They put, you know, 35 houses in there. And everybody in that neighborhood is all gets really upset in the summertime when it rains. Right. And then it's warm. And then there's the smell of cow poop. Yes. And they freak out. This is well, a lot of people uh, I've seen all over the country. They have these big signs. Animals, um, you know, they, they make funny noises. They fart. They have sex they, outside. They, yeah, it's like <laughs> that. Uh, the farm was here before you were. If you don't yeah. like it, don't buy a house here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, that's how I feel. And I lived uh, in a rural area for some time. Now I live in a more suburban setting. But, um, you know, for some time I lived in a rural area and... You know, the guy would fly his plane over my house to land in the airport that was right next door. It's not like I'm freaking out or anything over this. When I go cruise to a neighborhood, we we went somewhere the other day. I can't remember the town, my wife and I. And uh, we went for a little party with some friends. Uh, and it's a pool party, actually. And uh, I said, oh, there's some freedom, honey. <laughs> and uh, I'm pointing to a yard. Just got three or four broke down cars in it. You know, the grass isn't really cut. You know, some of the siding's falling off the house. And there was another yard, three or four yards down. The guy had all kinds of dirt bikes and motorcycles and four wheelers all apart all over the driveway. I'm like, oh, more freedom. Because <laughs> <laughs> if, if those guys can do that and nobody's harassing them about it, you know, that's the community I want to live in. People don't get harassed for that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, there's uh, there's oftentimes somebody in that same neighborhood who's got an immaculate yard with mm-hmm. the little flowers in it and and that kind of thing, and they've got all their problems with uh, with all their neighbors, and they're just a pain in the tush uh, to deal with because they just cannot be convinced that well, the way you live might be pretty and it might be your preference. But it isn't the way we necessarily do things out here. And those are the kind of people who uh, they um, they literally beg government to come in and do oh, code yeah. enforcement. Ernie Hancock talks about a guy who he builds a cabin years ago, buys a remote piece of property. He moved from down in the city of Phoenix, moved out to the country. And then um, there's a, uh, a junkyard way down the road from him, and he's up on a hill. Well, the guy who owns a property between the junkyard and this other guy clears a bunch of trees for cattle and starts a little farming operation. And he don't like the smell of the cows or that he can see the guy's junkyard, you know, over a half a mile or whatever. So he calls code enforcement out there. So code enforcement goes and looks. They're like, yeah, whatever. Then they go up to his house, which he never had any permits for. Um, so they slam the dude who called the code enforcement on yeah. his neighbors. And then he comes uh, asking like Ernie Hancock's uh, libertarian friends for help. And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll help you deal with the town. And then they find out why. And they're like, nope, deal with them yourself. You know, you, you call the cops. You got to deal with it. We ain't helping you. Yeah. And, you know, that. but that's what should happen when you call the cops on your neighbor. As far as I'm concerned, it or certainly can happen. Just go have a conversation with your neighbor. Oh, yeah. Well, in this case, it sounds like irreconcilable differences. I mean, you're dealing with a vegan and all the vegans. I've I'd are- use the term carnivore, but I'll just go ahead and say normal person. You know, somebody who be- who's, wants to barbecue in their backyard isn't unusual. Somebody whose kids want to play basketball in their backyard isn't unusual. I mean, and- smoking isn't terribly unusual. Pretty much every vegan I've gotten to know is unreasonable. Well, if, um, if they're using the term vegan to describe themselves, chances are good they're not. No, they're not a vegetarian. They're not a person who believes in a whole food, plant based diet. A vegan means that you have a moral stance. Usually, yep. yep. The number eight five five four five zero three seven three three eight fifty five four fifty three. The internet has used this as an opportunity to hate on vegans.
I guess you can too. 855-450-3733 here on Free Talk Live. I want to tell you about my favorite cryptocurrency wallet, Edge Wallet at edge.app. Edge is the wallet I use more than any other, and that was true long before Edge Wallet became a sponsor of Free Talk Live. Edge Wallet allows you to buy, sell, trade, and securely hold your cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, tokens, Monero, Ripple, Dash, Bitcoin Cash, and more. It's available for both Android and iOS, and you can download it via the Play or App Store or via Edge Wallet's website, edge.app. Secure your freedom with Edge Wallet. It is Free Talk Live, and you are free to call in and talk live here on the airwaves. It's Mark with you. Jay. Michael. And, you know, there's 8 billion people on the planet, and you're always going to have some weird story of what's going on. I probably shouldn't be surprised by this one, but coming from RT.com, an Australian vegan... And she's actually from Perth, so, I mean, even the Australians consider the uh, people from Perth to be even weirder. Uh, Western Australia. And she's a vegan, and she has, it it seems like she lives in the uh, suburban area, and her neighbor does, you know, some terrible, terrible stuff. Her neighbor has barbecues, uh, smokes cigarettes, and uh, her neighbor's children play basketball and the vegan has sued now it doesn't look like her case got dismissed because of the merits of her case it got dismissed because she couldn't put her i don't know couldn't come up with the life skills to kind of put the the body of evidence together for the case well you need to prove injury yeah well i think that to some extent i kind of see where she's coming from she says that you know Smells are bothering her. And I can absolutely see in some kind of suburban setting how a neighbor could have uh, something emanating from their backyard or their front yard or whatever yard, I don't care, that just stinks to high heaven. I I had a house in Bondsville, Palmer, Mass, that you came down to a few years ago. I had some neighbors, and they would be out there at night smoking cigarettes, and in the summertime I'd have the windows open. Sure. And it was annoying. Yep. So I said... uh, Hey guys, um, you know, what can I do to incentivize you to go on your back porch and smoke cigarettes? Because the way the house was set up, instead of your front porch, they go on a back porch, and they were like um, something about the wife didn't like something on a back porch. So I actually helped them like kind of make like a wood patio thing. Yep. Like a, a few days later, help them build a little deck out and there. We basically built it out of some like nice heavy duty pallets that our husband brought home, mm-hmm. and we got along really good with those guys. And they would that so their back porch was like their patio hangout, and uh, and and they loved it. And this, just the way it was, no smoke came into my house anymore. Peaceful neighboring, yeah, yeah. Nice. It, it can be done. It can be done. Um, and uh, you know, I certainly applaud situations like that. I think that obviously courts should be your last uh, refuge if you have some kind of uh, problem. But at some point or another. Sometimes people need somebody to step in and arbitrate, uh, you know, problems. I wonder if the people that she sued, her neighbors, did a counter counterclaim. No, it sounds like the neighbors uh, have 
ask their kids not to play basketball in the backyard and are apparently smoking elsewhere. So, you know, uh, to keep the peace, it says he removed the barbecue uh, and forbade the kids from playing uh, basketball in the yard. So I don't know what's happening with the smoking. Sorry. Uh, I was trying to do it from memory there. But, I mean, you know, this guy's done a lot to make this person happy. I think that um, it's kind of like some people you can't make happy at all. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, I got one of those neighbors right now. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I, I kind of feel that a person who you know, uses vegan to describe themselves is probably going to be on that list of a person who's simply not going to be happy. She's probably grouchy from the lack of meat. <laughs> it could be. Right. Well, adjustment. Obviously, know, you- an unhappy person. You know, our human brains need this uh, fat that essentially comes from mammals, from what I understand, and fish uh, to, like, function and operate correctly. And this is why a lot of the vegans that I did business with for years in the horse business, uh, I tell them that they're BS crazy, bat-ass crazy. And and uh, the one lady goes, everybody says that to me. And she starts screaming at me. And I says, well, um, is everybody wrong? <laughs> <laughs> and you know the uh, uh, what I want you know with the like I said, vegans are are usually you know irrational. That the ones that I have met about a lot of things because most of them are vegans, you know, because they they don't like the idea that there's factory farming. Well, I don't like that there's factory farming either. That's why I buy you know my meat from a nice little farm up in Croydon, New Hampshire, Bardo Farm. Right. I won't buy it from Walmart. You can get meat that has not been, you know, processed through factory farms and things like that. That's certainly possible to do. Um, you know, then it goes to the next step, which is, you know, just animals shouldn't be eaten or you know the next step animals shouldn't be killed and uh then it goes on to being eaten because I've kind of wondered what happens if you hit one with your car? Can I eat it then? Well, I mean, sure. except if the animal just died, can I eat it? Just look at cows. The cows, the species of cows that we have, the reason we even have those species of cows is because, well, man has been raising herds, maintaining herds, breeding them for years. And we've got all these you know, hundreds of different species of cows that in most wildlife situations, unless they're like in massive herds like the American buffalo, uh, they probably wouldn't. Um, hold up. In fact, if you took took a, a herd of Holsteins and just turned them out in the wild, they wouldn't even have to be killed by predators. Winter would just kill them, right. for example. Or horses. Well, Holstein uh, would have to be milked, right? Yeah, the, the dairy cows. Yeah. Right. She's going to be she's going to rupture within they'll, a day's time and probably yeah. die from that. They'll um, die of agony uh, from a mastitis infection, you know, within a week probably. Right. And, that you know, of course the vegans complain about uh, milk and you know the the cows come to be milked they're they're being milked voluntarily best i can tell so that's an interesting aspect of course we you know humans bred them to do that but i you know what i'm not responsible for the actions of a human prior to me i'm only responsible for my actions so if a cow needs to be milked and i milk the cow i'm doing the cow a favor um it's the, the dairy goats if they they we milk them twice a day at like um 8 in the morning and about 8 o'clock at, at night and if you were like five minutes late, 
they were they were screaming at you like they hadn't yeah. ate yet, and people yeah. were like, "Oh, your goats are hungry, huh?" I'm like, "No, they want to be milked." Yes, <laughs> come relieve the pressure. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's well, it's it's uncomfortable. Another thing that I like to point out to um, if I have a vegan conversation, and I don't usually have them. There's, um, I know Ian had some not too long ago. Uh, some vegans called in. And you're certainly welcome. The number eight five five four five zero three seven three three. It's eight fifty five four fifty. And then free, as in free talk live, you're, you're welcome to call in. But one of the things I point out is, is that if we didn't kill things like rats, pigs, rabbits, um, deer, and basically you pick your R-type mammal, we would be wiped out. Because the deer, the rats, the porcupines, and all these, uh, the, the woodchucks, uh, the these vermin. sort of things, yeah, they're going to eat your vegetables, does the term vegan say these sorts of things, like we let rats live? Right. Well, that's what it means. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. So when you when you <laughs> let the rats bad. live, you're in trouble because they're a very successful species, right? And you do not want these guys, uh, you know, overpowering you. It, it's a real problem. So uh, we go into a, uh, we're doing some shopping before the wedding last year, my wife and I. And she wants to get a certain type of makeup at this makeup place in the mall, Manchester. Yeah, so I go in there, and and there's this girl in there who's selling the makeup, who's you know got a vegan tattoo. I don't know if she had a, something about vegan, but anyway, she was talking about. Uh, my wife wanted some makeup that wasn't like animal tested mm-hmm. and wasn't made from like you know what what McDonald's didn't buy essentially from the you know the major slaughterhouse, which right. is what most of your makeup's made from all the renderings. And uh, so uh, she's like. So they use bat guano in some makeup. Uh-huh. I didn't realize this. Poop. Yes. Well, that's cool. And so the lady they goes- They use oh. whale vomit in uh, perfume, too. Oh, nice. So so the lady, the, the saleswoman says, oh, this particular brand is not vegan because it has bat guano in it. So I came up with the idea is, oh, is our plants not vegan if you grow them in cow manure or right. horse manure? You know, because it's not considered vegan if it's, you know, back when I was using it. So I like teasing the vegans. Well, that spinach right there was chicken poop was was put in there for fertilizer. So it's not it's not vegan spinach. I tell. Them. Yeah, well, <laughs> it is. It, it is an issue. And, uh, you know, think about deer for a second. What kind of fence would you have to have to keep deer out of your cornfield? About 12 foot. A big yeah. one. Right. And it. And then they'll get hung up in it. And then, jump and it. then the groundhogs and the porcupines are digging up underneath. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just not possible. I, I, it's just not possible. It's basically anti-life because if you don't kill off the vermin in some manner or another, then they're going to take over and eat the vegetables too. It'll be overrun. Your thoughts, 855-450-3733. It's 855-450-free. Could be wrong on this. It's Free Talk Live. Call in, talk about whatever's on your mind. It's Mark with you. Jay. Michael. The number's 855-450-3733. We're talking about a story here where a vegan in Australia is has sued over the barbecues. They use the term barbecue. Let's call it a cookout. Barbecue. I'm from the South, and barbecue has sugar, is a sauce that has sugar in it and, and vinegar in it. All sorts. Yeah. And so you can uh, you can call barbecue what you want. but That uh, sauce could be vegan, huh? 
Barbecue it, sauce? Yeah, yeah, sure. Barbecue sauce, good. Um, yeah, let me tell you how you can take Bitcoin in your business. You got to help me take Bitcoin.com. They make it easy for you. This really is easy. I'm talking about if you have a Bitcoin wallet already, it won't take you five minutes to begin accepting cryptocurrency at your business. Help me take Bitcoin.com. It's a point-of-sale cryptocurrency acceptance uh, software. Yeah, the sign-up is easy with no ID verification, no paperwork. You can easily accept Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Dash, uh, Zcash, and more. It's help me take Bitcoin.com. It's a great service, and I think you'll be happy with it. Help me take Bitcoin.com. Now, I've got another story here about uh, veganism, and I figured I'd just run them back-to-back because it seems like it's uh, appropriate. This is another one from RT. Maybe they've got something against vegans over there at RT. But I think that people like to feel sanctimonious about vegans. I certainly do. Because I think they're wrong. Right? <laughs> you know? I believe the human brain has evolved because of eating animals. I think that there's a pretty good argument for that. And I've certainly heard that I have that no made. proof. It's just a theory I've concocted. Well, um, so it was, as I understand, the uh, one of the prevailing theories is is that it's a uh, a need versus ability situation, right? So the um, the primate that was, uh, you know, the hominid that was uh, the predecessor to man had a big brain for what it was, needed more calories to keep the brain going, so it would find the carrion kills of predators and figured out how to use tools to crack open skulls the skulls would still contain the brain tissue which is fatty and uh you know nutritious and then so they what they do is they would go around finding kills uh get what they could off of them use their you know the opposable thumbs or whatever eat the meat and eat these sorts of things and beat the head open uh get the brain uh tissue and then they have some fat now they of course ate you know, fruits and nuts and whatever they could find in the Probably wild. grubs and all kinds of bugs, whatever they could find. At whatever they could find. But they then, as they got the calories, the brain continued to grow because this was their unique selling proposition as a species, right? That's what we are as a species. We're the smart ones. And, you know, we don't have the claws. We don't have the teeth. We don't have the ability to run uh, super fast and short distances. We can do a couple of things pretty well, and that is think and uh, run for long distances. And that's about it. Uh, we're walkers as opposed, you know, like, you know, fast walkers and that kind of thing. We can chase prey down the ones that run quickly. We can track them and keep chasing them until they just get exhausted and on die. a horse or yeah. in Florida on a swamp buggy with all your buddies. Whatever it and, takes. And a right? bunch of beer. Well, that's not. There's not a lot of people that are still doing the old uh, hunter-gatherer chase down prey until it dies of an ex- uh, exhaustion these days on planet Earth. But they they do exist. Um, they're just not. They're probably not getting filmed on YouTube. Anyway, going on with this article here: YouTubers being bullied for quitting veganism. Former vegan stars on social media. I used air quotes on that. Stars. Everybody's a star these days. I'm a star. Ha. Huh? Social media complain that they've been harassed for daring to eat eggs and meat again. Perhaps they should have thought ahead when they were influencing millions into their restrictive and unbalanced diets. Looks like uh, Yovana Mendoza doesn't really uh, take much to uh, veganism, does she? That's the author here. 
You promised weight loss, acne-free skin, firmer buttocks tone, improved moods, benefits to the environment, and the moral glow of walking with the superior path. In fact, each of you proselytized not better diets, but entire life overhauls. You sold ads on your videos, diet books, retreats, and T-shirts. You look people in a, uh, you took people in a spiritual journey, persuading them to spend hours in the kitchen hollowing out avocados and soaking lentils and hours on the internet buying the best organic makeup of your personalized with your personalized discount codes and then you quit. What did you think was going to happen? Athlete Tim Sheaf shows his strength while cooking. This guy uh, here up on his uh, elbows doing a handstand, basically. Later confessed that he no longer had been able to train well due to his diet, vegan diet. A little wonder that each of you and your new videos is now peppered with uh, comments calling them fakes and traitors and demands for refunds at a quicker rate than you can clean them up. I'm not heartless. I understand that your diet caused you to stop having periods or suffer from anemia or set your uh, body into a perpetual state of menopause. I understand that you were driven to such animal madness by your diet that you saw some chickens run around a farm, uh, bought their eggs from a farmer and sucked them raw. I also appreciate that eggs were organic as the hens were not just supermarket thing, but like really free. But you probably... um, but. You are probably doing the right thing, and it's good that uh, that you've dropped this uh, urine and kale based diet. But did you not deal with you did not deal with this ethically? You did not care to speak about your worsening health on uh, in the months and years leading to this point. Instead, you continued to radiate that new age tinged Stepford Wives positivity, always talking about how colorful the food is and how relaxed you feel. And I. I do often, well, you know, I mean, if you talk to vegans, they'll usually tell you how healthy they feel, right? Well, oh, so my, I'm 40 years old. I have a lot of close friends that, you know, they became vegetarian, they became vegan, and then they got weak, they got sick. Uh, you know, the period is every 22 days or every 18 days, or it doesn't happen for a couple of months with some people. Uh I have um, another friend, he is same age as me, did bodybuilding, uh, went vegan, and he says that he chemically neutered himself, literally soy boyed himself, as he refers to it, <laughs> uh, and he, he, he thinks he hurt himself. He thinks he's done irreparable damage with his veganism that he did for like six years, cranking a bunch of soy, and he wishes he never went down that road. I, I, I've seen so many people go... Uh, to be a full-blown vegan and then come out of it. I can see, like, if you have a complaint with factory farms, believe me, I have a complaint yep, with factory too. farms, too. They're all government subsidized, and that's why they exist. And uh, if you have a problem with factory farms, there are lots of choices that you can make that, um, you know, don't you know they don't use factory farming. There's, uh, there's meats. Just get your- on Craigslist. It's everywhere in New Hampshire. All, milk, meat, all kinds of organic everything. Right. Eggs, um, yep. you know. There's there's fish out there. You can get the wild caught, whatever. Um, you know, I I wonder about fish and fish farming. It seems like we've got to come up with some system for all the people on the planet to uh, be able to consume f- seafood. But uh, nonetheless, um, you know, it's not factory farmed. The number eight five five four five zero three seven three three eight fifty five four fifty free as in Free Talk Live. 
Bitcoin.com has launched a trading platform at local.bitcoin.com, allowing you to buy or sell Bitcoin cash via dozens of payment methods like PayPal, Venmo, bank deposit, remittances, or meeting in person with cash. There are no ID requirements to sign up for and use the site, and all communications between buyers and sellers are encrypted. Finally, a global trading platform that respects your privacy. Visit local.bitcoin.com to get started trading Bitcoin cash. Local.bitcoin.com It's Free Talk Live. You can call in, talk about whatever you want, but we've been talking vegans tonight here on Free Talk Live. And I think this is, uh, you know, it's it, it, it's the group that the internet loves to hate. And, <laughs> you know, I'm not saying that I don't think they deserve it a little bit. What's the what's the joke? Uh, uh, a crossfitter, an atheist, and a vegan walk into a bar? Tell me. Oh, we uh, we didn't have any. There's really nothing else, but they just told us right away. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like the idea is is that you can't be a CrossFitter or an atheist or a vegan without telling people constantly. And um, yeah, well, you know, I think that there's to some extent those groups have earned that um, that 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 that, uh, you know, bias, especially the vegans these days. They seem to be the new ones. So I got a little correction. I was in the last segment. I was talking about a, a friend of mine who was a bodybuilder and did the whole soy vegan thing. Yeah, uh, he had done this for about twenty years actually, okay. and really believes that he's done uh, damage to him to himself. He's totally suppressed his testosterone. He's like, you know, he's got like a and and he's got some other issues too. Like he's you know a lot of anxiety and all kinds of things. But he's done a lot of research on trying to straighten himself out and basically. He really considers soy to be a lot of the culprit, but the fact that he just didn't eat any any meat for twenty years. Some people, um, you know, think soy is terrible. Other people are huge believers in it. Uh, you know, I mean, I'll eat it if they put it in front of me. Those that miso soup they serve at the Japanese restaurants, I like that. That's good. Yeah. My, my wife doesn't want me consuming soy. She doesn't want it suppressing my testosterone. There you go. And she thinks that like uh, that that leads to um, well, I shouldn't say she thinks. She's done some research that like. Later on in the man's life, it's like testosterone is very important, so you don't want to suppress it at any point. Yeah, it keeps you going. Yeah. Keep her happy. Well, yeah. And um, you happy. Yeah. <laughs> at this point, like, first and number one is, is if the wife has some kind of dietary thing that she thinks is best, you probably should go with it because, you know, she's the one who's likely going to be making the meals. So, yeah. you know, there you go. Whoever's making the meals probably gets to, uh, you know, to some extent, Say how the diet goes. I would say house. that checks out for me. Yeah, my wife's not going to make uh, beanie, uh, you know, uh, beans and weenies for me, or you know, there's there's all kinds of stuff that she just you know finds distasteful. She's not going to make it, and whatever the situation may be, we'll get back to the vegan talk here in just a minute. But uh, Tom and Hudson, New Hampshire, is calling in. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live. Okay, an Alabama prison inmate, Angela Yvonne Allen, is doing time for a stabbing murder down in Alabama, and uh, her daughter uh, paid a lawyer to represent the defendant on the appeal. Okay. And just one problem. The lawyer 
who was uh, filing the appeal paper isn't a lawyer in Alabama. He's a lawyer in Florida. Mm. And so he filed the papers, and uh, the court rejected it because uh, it wasn't notarized and uh, wasn't signed and wasn't signed by an attorney licensed in Alabama. Mm -hmm. I've gone down this road before. So uh, the uh, daughter went and found a lawyer to take care of the situation, but guess what? Too late. Now the deadline for filing an appeal is passed. So, you know, they were going to appeal based on uh, ineffective assistance of counsel during the original And then got some more ineffective assistance of counsel. Yeah, so, uh, and now it's too late. I mean, imagine being convicted of a murder, and you're appealing, saying that you didn't have effective assistance of counsel, and because lawyers bungle the case, dishonest, crooked, and you know what happens to the lawyer? The lawyer gets suspended by the uh, state of Florida for one year. Well, um, I'm sure that, uh, yeah, whatever happens to him, it doesn't really matter to me what happens to this other person. I think that there's also, uh, one needs to look at the state on this too. So uh, the state will keep somebody in jail for two, three, sometimes four years awaiting a trial. Now, this is in a country where the right to a speedy trial is guaranteed by the highest law in the land. On paper. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a it's a lie. But, um, you know, Americans, I don't know. We we don't believe it. We don't believe that you get a speedy trial. We just go on acting like these liars and thieves that are supposed to represent our our government out there. Well, we, we can't. What are we going to do? Just got to have Here's liars and thieves. What's let, that? Let's say you can't make bail. And so you have to wait in jail for your trial. And then when, let's say your trial was supposed to be today in Florida or Georgia, and they're using this hurricane as an excuse. Granted, it is a rather good excuse for closing the courthouse. But then, okay, when they, let's say they open the courthouse back up on Friday, you say, okay, now let's go to trial. Oh, no. That'll the be too docket much. for Friday is already filled up. Well, the next available appointment is, how, let's see how many months it is that we can squeeze you in. You know, two or three months later, they do stuff like this, and then they whine like crybabies when people go out and kill cops to punish the government. Here we go again, Tom. Thanks for the call. (laughs) So so to comment on this, first off, Tom brings up that, like, something wasn't notarized and something wasn't signed. Right. So when I fought the town of Palmer on the property tax, all of the stuff that they filed into the court had no signature on it. Remember when you guys came down to my place and I showed you the, the judgment from tax court yep. and from land court? There was no signature on it. Right. So I I appealed this at the federal level. So when we, you know, there's rules of procedure in court. And when the actors that call themselves government yep. don't follow these rules, it doesn't matter. No, this, they this, just do whatever they what want. Found. They have the but guns. So it, the feds, it, it, the feds it, just turned it back and said, "No problem." Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. They don't need a signature. You know, you don't have to have a seal from the court. Even no, in the rules of procedure, yep, in Massachusetts, uh, it explicitly states they do. They didn't want to hear nothing about it. And if you or I don't, you know, die cross and I or right. cross the T, same thing. And another thing he was talking about with these people awaiting trial for a few years, um. 
Mark Stevens uh, show. I was listening to his podcast the other day, which it does is I guess his, his show is not on LRN on Saturdays anymore because uh, Mark Stevens' father uh, had gotten sick or passed away or something, and so he's kind of been a little inconsistent. But I, actually, this afternoon his show was on in the afternoon on the LRN network, and uh, he was talking about how there was this guy who sat in a jail cell for something like twenty four and a half months, uh-huh. and. When they, and he, he couldn't do bail. He didn't really have anyone to supply him bail. And a lot of times they don't give bail. <laughs> and the um, the, the, this, uh, a friend of a friend's kind of helped him out a little bit. And when it came to his court date, they did discovery. And the prosecution didn't have any evidence whatsoever that, that this alleged crime was committed. There was just no evidence of this. So they dismissed a case after, like, you know, the third hearing. But this dude sat in a jail cell for over two years. Yep. And now this is what one of the things I want to see like candidates run for, especially in New Hampshire, one of the platforms should be for the libertarians is to strip judges and prosecutors of their immunity because this is malicious prosecution. This happens every single day in America. Yes, in it does. Every single courtroom. And quite simply, just like my thing is and Mark Stevens thing is provide the evidence that your constitution and your code apply to me. Right. And, well, and, and I think something that's really important to point out here is, is that the, the state drags its feet for 24 months and dismisses a case. Uh, but if they find you guilty after three years, they give you 60 days to a pot, uh, uh, for an appeal. It, it varies from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, but that's not an entirely un- inaccurate right? statement. Yep. Characterization. They give you 60 days. Their rules are not your rules. They do what they want. Right. They're, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, Tyrants, despots, parasites. Prosecutors and judges uh, need to be stripped of their immunity because there is no incentive for them to be good actors. And I believe 90% of cases that are prosecuted, there there is no evidence that the code violation even applies. 855-450-3733. It's 855-450-FREE here on Free Talk Live. More vegan talk. It's Free Talk Live. The number is 855-450-3733. We're talking about, uh, well, a few different issues with veganism. It's Mark with you. Jay. Michael. Yeah, um, this article here from RT.com is talking about vegan influencers, which the author here, Igor, boy, I want to mess this last name up, Orgo or Gordo Dev, I don't know, um, is not very happy with these uh, vegan influencers, many of them of whom are have stopped being vegans because they're noticing health problems. Now, you can determine that those health problems are related to veganism. I don't know. I have heard uh, people say great things about being vegans. I am. I just don't have the the constitution to try it i just don't i cannot give up meat sorry Uh, so i'm not going to be too sanctimonious about it all but when it comes to um you know these vegan influencers who in some cases have given up meat and then don't even tell their audience for a while and then they get caught eating some fish or something and then the audience begins to go crazy 
you know, because a picture has been taken of an influencer well, with you know, a hamburger or whatever. You know, they, they feel like the uh, the preacher at the mega church that gets, you know, caught with a prostitute. Sure. Or well, a prostitute or, or a little boy prostitute yeah, or a little a young child or right. something. There's, there's there are some correlations here because this is a, you know, closely held faith based belief. And when, you know, the the leader the, the person who's benefiting financially, as a matter of fact, in a lot of cases, um, just, you know, goes ahead and turns the other direction. They're really hated by both sides at that point. Yeah. Because, have a little compassion for the backslider. Well, if you try veganism and then decide it's not for you, I can, you know, totally feel that way for you. However, if you try veganism, become an influencer, and then especially if you decide that you're going to continue to pretend to be vegan and benefit from all your past videos or whatever it is that you're doing, because basically, what do you think, Michael? If somebody becomes, um, you know, goes from vegan to carnivore, omnivore, whatever they are, should they take down all their past videos? No. Should keep it as like a chronicle of their life. Well, the steps the, they're making. Uh, but but I mean, videos in many cases. I I just watched a video last night that was four years old on how to fix something that I had, um, and you know it was just as useful for me today as the day they made it four years ago. And presumably they got a you know small pittance of a uh, you know for me watching it, and that's what's happening in some cases with these people who are out there. I'm a vegan, and then they're not anymore. Um, you know, like it to to some extent, it's some disingenuousness. I kind of feel like. Yeah, that happens on the internet. Yeah, it, it, it sure does. And let, let if, the marketplace decide. Exactly, they'll just lose followers, right? If the people get disenfranchised with them, and the problem is, is they know how app extreme. That's my biggest problem with vegans in general is how extreme they get. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, some of these people throw absolute three-year-old hissy fits you know because you know they can see the genitalia of a horse from the road i mean this is something that actually happened in cape cod look years away ago. um they this lady wanted the horses to wear diapers she wanted it to be a law actually petitioned a town select town council and everything with it of course they laughed at her but she freaked out and that's you know, she was one of these vegan people that also and uh but the thing is, is the the market will 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 decide, and if you're going to be full of BS and you're going to lie about things, and people just eh, quit quit listening to you. I think they will at some point or another. But I what I'm saying is is that they de- deal with uh, sort of heat from both sides. And one of the things I would say to somebody who decided that it's they're they're best off eating meat is that. All your old videos that go out there and say that uh, it's better to just be on a vegan diet, I'd say you're still harming people with those videos if you... Oh, because the information you have now discovered is wrong. It'd be like a scientist saying, oh, yes, put this solution of these chemicals on your skin. And, well, he does this for two years and he gets skin cancer. Right. And then not going back and, you know, updating the videos and and at least saying, well, this caused cancer or whatever, you know. Something. So I'm of the opinion that they should go back um, and they're getting heat from both sides. And I think they deserve it. Um, You know, if you've got vegan, obviously, if you portray yourself as a vegan for some years and that uh, you're, you know, 
you're giving recipes and talking about how awesome it is that it's and you you know get these followers and they're sending you money and through the Patreon and they're watching your videos or whatever they're doing and then um, you know and there's you, a point you become a shiller. Well, right? yeah, I think it's it's not a problem if you're a shill for something you believe in, right? I mean, shill kind of indicates it's not something you necessarily believe in. So if well, you're if promoting you're, something you believe in, that's cool. And then you don't believe it anymore, or you come across evidence that right. the belief it you know is wrong. I've changed my I've, mind on lots of issues. Then you become a shiller if you keep on pushing this thing for profit is the way I understand the word shill. And I think that's an interesting point. You've actually um, helped me think of something newly, is, is that Free Talk Live has every one of its episodes available for, like... 18 years going back at archives.freetalklive.com. Free. Other radio programs simply will not do this for you. But Free Talk Live does. I think the uh, the, the NPR shows will do it too. But um, Free Talk Live makes it available to you for free. And my opinions have absolutely changed on topics, um, you know, from year to year. Yep. There's some and, topics I... And you tell us when your opinions change. Right. I've heard you say, oh, I, I thought differently about this at one time. And now I don't, unlike YouTube, uh, we don't sort of serve up old episodes to people. Uh, you'd have to go hunting for them. And so when you when you go hunting for the, the episodes at archives.freetalklive.com, you have to put in the year, you have to put in the month, and then it'll serve up all the episodes in that month, either 28 of them to 31 of them, depending on the month. So have you redacted any of them? No, I wouldn't do that because, you know, I feel like, well, you know, it's it's history, right? Like it was just what you had said previously. And it would be a pain in the butt. And, well, yeah, it's simply not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And, but I mean, you know, I guess I, my defense on that would be is is that when we serve up episodes to people, we're serving the, the newest episode. We're not sending some old episode as though it's the new one. And so, therefore, if you want... Uh, you know, my reasoning on a topic as it exists today, then you're going to have to listen to today's show. If you want my reasoning on a topic as it existed 12 years ago, then by all means, go back there and listen to it. But it's not like they're going to stumble across that 12 year old episode. I, I do download some of your some of the really old free talk live and listen to it like when I'm out, like, yeah. you know, running the chainsaw or something with my earplugs, yeah. you, know, you, you know, earphones in. Just because there's no cell phone service, and I just right. you know, I I think it's fun to listen to you know you guys talking episodes. you know dozen years ago. Yeah, there's it's completely different. Vegan pee. That's what I want to talk about. Oh God, <laughs> that that was in this article where yeah. it just like randomly mentioned Tim has uh, has dropped his urine and kale based diet. I urine. Why are we drinking our pee? Okay. Well, I be, I hope you've done some research on this. Uh, I think you Goats have. Do it all the time, but. I'm not a goat. Goats drink their <laughs> own I pee. Never researched drinking my pee until five minutes ago. Yeah, this is uh, this is done, and it is um, it's a thing. I I wouldn't call it a good thing, but people do it. I bet there's a club for pee drinkers. I, I think for you vegan need to, pee drinkers. Let's clarify. Yeah, I think I think you need to uh, do a lot of research on this kind of thing uh, before you you get into it. But it is uh, absolutely. I it's I think it came from the Ayurvedic uh, diets, but I may be wrong on that. Well, um, I know if you like cut your leg open, uh, peas, you know, like for example, it's sterile, right? It's sterile, so like 
you know, you, you cut your, <laughs> watch a guy do this. He cuts his leg open. We're out spreading cow manure. It's like not a good place to have your leg cut open. No, that sounds bad. And uh, Around manure. And he was a Mexican guy, and he comes up to me. He's like, you got to pee? I'm like, no. He goes the next guy, you got to pee? Pee on me. <laughs> and uh, Well, he said it in Spanish to the yeah. other guy. But um, and then he just, he wrapped the hanky around it and just kept on working. Good for him. You know. Yeah, well, that's... Uh... <laughs> Just goes to show the how people will uh, you know work hard. I I I have met people who do this. I have uh, heard people advocate for it. They'll make every claim in the book to you know justify it. I have obviously no personal experience. There's plenty of research one can do on the internet regarding it. I would say that uh, before you take on any kind of very questionable activity like this, you do your research. Uh, I don't think it, it sounds very bad. I would me. want them to show me. Yeah. You I'd, drink your pee? Prove it. They're right, they're right. Well, that's the, the first step, right? <laughs> show me that you can survive this. But I don't think it's something that you couldn't survive. It's a waste material. It seems like your body's getting rid of it for a reason, but I, I think it's just a bad idea. Show me it's great. Yeah. Nitrogen is what plants want, I swear. Eight. Well, yeah, right. Put it on your tomato plants, right? Yeah. 855-450-3733. Why waste it any other way? Put it on the plants. 855-450 free as in free talk live. Hello everyone. This is Courtney Shrem and I want to invite you to join my husband and I, Charlie Shrem, on his new show, Untold Stories, for a deep dive into crypto history with the people who made that history. Together, we'll explore the personalities and events that gave rise to Bitcoin and the crypto revolution, the innovation, the collaboration, the battles and the busts. You'll have a front row seat to the early days of crypto up to today. And you'll hear it from the folks who lived through it and survived to drive this movement mainstream. Untold Stories looks back to reveal what inspired some of the greatest minds on earth to come together to create this technology and change the future for everyone. So join Charlie and his guests, the techies and the traders, the entrepreneurs and the innovators, as they explore our past and understand what that means for the future. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. You can call in and talk about whatever you want. That's why we call it Free Talk Live. You are free to call in and talk live here on the radio. Uh, I mean, we have more than 200 radio stations here on Free Talk Live. That gives you a loud voice, and yet you still go on social media and get in political arguments with uh, people there when you could reach so many more people here on Free Talk Live. Do we have any way of telling how many people are listening to us? Uh, I mean, yes, there are ways that uh, have been traditionally used, Arbitron, and uh, there's download numbers and all kinds of things like that. These days with media, you kind of have to piece things together as opposed to just using one uh, source. What was your last uh, guesstimate? Well, I would say that it's fair to say that probably a half a million people listen to Free Talk Live in a given month with millions of listens. So um, half a million unique listeners Mm -hmm. with millions of listens, listening sessions. One thing you need to consider is that every segment on the radio is considered a listening, uh, is a segment. So if somebody listens on their actual car radio uh, to the whole Free Talk Live show, then they've had 12 
listening segments as radio defines them. So they have these things hmm. called quarter hours. So there you go. That's uh, thanks. For, I didn't know about that quarter hour thing. That's good. Yeah. So, but nonetheless, uh, half a million listeners is probably the thing that uh, people want to know the most. Because I can definitely figure out that uh, about a quarter million people listen in a given week, and I presume that uh, some of those people uh, don't listen the next week, and then you can just sort of cycle them in, cycle them out. So, um, Jay, apparently marijuana is saving lives in Colorado? Well, uh, according to um, this article anyways, uh, from the uh, WashingtonPost.com. Not exactly some sideline blog someplace. Right. And... Yeah, a lot of these mainstream uh, media outlets have been kind of anti-cannabis. You know, they kind of run with the uh, the establishment agenda, is you know, from what I've noticed over the years. So, and I do like seeing that there's something that kind of contradicts the um, stigmatism of cannabis. You know, in a mainstream post like the uh, you know Washington Post. So in Colorado, opioid deaths fall following marijuana legalization. Now, before I go on, one thing I can, uh, I was in Colorado. I moved there in 2014. Well, uh, yeah, mid-2014, I moved there for a few years. And I would go to this uh, Liberty on the Rocks uh, meetup once a month. Yeah, they used to advertise here on Free Talk Live. Yeah, and uh, one of the folks that was there was an EMT. Mm-hmm. And he was a full-time, you know, worked for City of Aurora or something. And he became very pro-marijuana. After he uh, his industry started to realize, and he started to realize that literally, uh, um, a lot of the calls are for for overdoses of uh, opiates okay. or heroin yeah. overdoses. Sure. You know, people on the street, you know, having seizures and flopping around, or just don't wake up or whatever, and people call. Right. And there's a lot of homeless, and you know, De- Aurora is like a suburb of Denver, and you know, it's got all the other same issues that the people who pay have. the taxes for the uh, emergency services are not generally the people that use the emergency services. At least that's what I hear from the emergency services. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. And anyways, uh, I remember him saying, he goes, you know, um, and this was, you know, a couple years into it, and he says, uh, our uh, opioid overdose calls are, are down. And he thought he literally figured because less people were getting into opiates because they had an option, uh, uh, a non-lethal option of pain management called cannabis that they could go buy at the store. And that's I think that's probably a pretty fair estimate. Also, I I know a guy, right? Um, I having never been addicted to opiates, I can't speak to this, but um, I have heard from well. I'll tell the, the first story first. So they, uh, I know a guy that uh, you know was addicted to op- op- opiates and you know heroin, and he beat it on his own, smoking pot. He said that smoking pot basically made it so that he didn't have the uh, you know the Jonesing effect for or whatever the addictive effect, um, you know that that sort of feeling that you wanted to have, whatever that was, um, and that he managed to you know. Between marijuana and his desire to quit heroin, he quit on his own. And I know an opposite story. A kid here in New Hampshire, uh, he's an adult, he's like 35, he got hooked on heroin uh-huh. literally because he had he works for a paving company, he's got a class A CDL, he's got mm-hmm. a hydraulics license for working in Massachusetts, and uh, he could not risk a, failing a roadside urine test. Oh, so, I see. So DOT... Police pull over truck drivers and make them pee in cups. And here, pee in a cup. 
Yep. And uh, so he uh, he he's got a chronic shoulder issue, so he had to take opiates. He gave up the uh, cannabis. Yep. Um, and got a prescription for Vicodin. Uh, and then got addicted. And then uh, it it started that Vicodins weren't really working unless he snorted them, and then oh, yeah, bad deal. And yep. now he's like he he's still got a CDL. Yep. He's still driving a semi truck. Doped up on heroin every day because it's the only way he can function. I haven't talked to the guy in about a year. I don't know what he, what his situation is now. But I, I did a lot of work for the pavement company he worked for a couple of years but ago. But he was snorting Vicodins at one point. I have a, I have an idea that yep. things haven't really, you know, well, the, he, the sun has not shone on this. Uh, he's got tracks on his arms. And I'm like, dude, what's that? He's all oh, shooting up. Mm, great. You know. Uh, but anyways, back to the article. Well, uh, hold oh. on. I, I did also uh, speak to somebody who had uh, an alcohol issue. And they said that they managed to stop drinking just by, you know, smoking pot more. Or I guess probably not smoking. But these days, one can consume marijuana products so much more easily than you could in the past. So there's edibles. You can buy these gummies. um, You know, there's uh, vaporizers. There's all kinds of things that make it, you know, not as distasteful as it was when I was a kid. I have a few friends that uh, struggled with alcohol and in Massachusetts with the recreational cannabis. Uh, the one girl literally goes and buys, you know spends half of what she would spend on alcohol a yep. week on gummies. Right, and, and has like one a night. If you think about these, uh, you know the the, the the situations, it it may, kind of makes some sense. I mean, alcohol is going to give you a hangover. Um, bars certainly make alcohol very expensive. It's uh, you know terrible on your liver. Obviously, I, I, there there may be some health issues related to consuming copious quantities of uh, of of the the devil's lettuce. Right? I I'm not cl- giving uh, advice here. I'm just saying that alcohol has its downside. Think about the calories. I mean, there's no calories in marijuana. That's if another you're thing. Vaporizing it that happened with this girl is, is she lost like she's at a uh, a body weight that she is happy with now, which is huge yeah for her it's it's like she has less of a desire even to drink just because of the fact that she quit drinking and she lost weight right <laughs> you know it's, it's it's a win-win nobody and likes being fat we have cbd receptors in our body and cbd is in cannabis i hear i've heard from medical um you know folks that that's not amazing like we must have alcohol receptors too if we i don't know um that that, that the whole receptor thing isn't I, I was talking about that at one point. God must want us to smoke this stuff, right? Because he made um, you know the receptors for it. But I, 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 I think that I hear that maybe the alcohol that, is nice for the dopamine release. Is my understanding? Okay, I, right, right. Yep. That's why people go after it, and that's why another reason is so addictive. Yeah. Well, let's go on here. Um, the uh, apparently it's. Uh, I mean, there's deaths are down in Colorado due to legalized marijuana, according to my EMT friend. Yes. Uh, marijuana legalization in Colorado, Colorado led to a reversal of opiate overdoses deaths in that state, according to new research published in the American Journal of Public Health. Now that's a pretty big deal. Okay. Well, I guess when you start, you know, looking at the statistics, just look at places where it's been legalized. Yeah, look at these cops that have been for decades trying to stand in the way of legalization. They don't give a. They didn't give a darn about this stuff. It's like we got police unions and we need to fill the coffers. After Colorado's legalization of recreational cannabis sale and use, opioid-related deaths decreased more than 6% in the following two years, writes author Melvin D. Livingston, Tracy Barnett, Chris Deckler, and Alexander Wagner. These authors stress that their results 
are preliminary, uh, preliminary, preliminary, given that their study encompasses only two years after the date of the first recreational marijuana shops opened. Yeah, I wouldn't say that six six percent is uh, some stunning amount, but it's at the same time it's significant. It's statistically significant. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three eight fifty five four fifty free as in free talk live. Free Talk Live. 855-450-3733. It's 855-450-FREE, as in freedom. It's Mark with you. Jay. Michael. Call in, talk about whatever's on your mind. We're talking about an article here from, what is it, Washington Post, that apparently legalized marijuana is saving lives in Colorado. Uh, Before we get back to that... I want to tell you about a new advertiser, Balance of Nature, that we've uh, brought on here. And uh, actually, for those who are, you know, hardcore listeners of Free Talk Live, you probably are familiar with Riley Blake. Uh, Riley uh, edits our podcast to shrink it down to a digest form. So in that case, he takes every episode that is two hours long, shrinks it down to 40 minutes. You can speed that up and listen to a Free Talk Live podcast, basically, in what Riley thinks was the most important parts of the episode in 30 minutes. So, um, you know, that's that's a thing. Riley works at Balance of Nature, and Balance of Nature advertises on the radio quite a bit. So he sort of made it so that uh, we worked something out. And I've taken the products... It's hard to complain about products that are basically fruits and vegetables and spices. And, you know, they've got a formulation of spices that they, um, you know, say, you know, makes you healthier. And I wouldn't doubt it, right? Spices can't be bad for you. It's hard when you have a complicated work-life schedule to get all the fruits and vegetables you need with just three of the Balance of Nature fruit capsules and three of their vegetable capsules. You get 10 servings of fruits and vegetables. That's all you're going to need in a given day. Um, That's pretty good. So uh, your skin looks better. uh, Bags under your eyes go away. Increased in energy. Body pain is reduced or goes away. Getting sick less or not at all. These are some of the uh, um, things that people report from Balance of Nature. We've got a limited time offer here. You go online, become a preferred customer, which gives you the best pricing and free shipping. And after your third month, Balance of Nature will ship to you at no extra charge an additional set of fruits and veggies. This is a limited time offer, so don't wait. Go to balanceofnature.com and use coupon code FTL. It's balanceofnature.com, coupon code FTL. I think you're going to like the product, uh, if you, especially if you're not getting the fruits and vegetables in your diet that you, you need to get. Balanceofnature.com, coupon code FTL. Let's go to David calling in from New Mexico. David, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Yeah, I beat it on my own, too. What's that? Sometimes I get help. Might be trolling us. Um, he might be. You're getting close, David. What's up? <laughs> hardcore trolling. Hardcore. Um, <laughs> better shrink it. Better better shrink it down, David. Um, oh, di- dissection and analysis. So so that everybody is perfectly clear on the message from the other day. The when politicians go on radio stations, there there's a there's an exact formula. And so the politician is on the radio station with the host. 
and they're pretending to take phone calls, questions and comments for the politician that wants the vote. And the caller calls in and waits in line. And then he's live on air. Yep. And uh, the noise a- happens. Asks, yeah. <laughs> and ask the question, ask the question or makes the comment. Yep. And like I said, off, often the host of the radio program will, if the, if the person starts to make a comment, instead of asking a question like a game show, like, yep. like Jeopardy, the host will immediately cut off the caller and say, do, do you have a question? Do you have a question for, the, so the, then, for our guest here today? Right, yeah. And so then the, the caller being sufficiently cowed will then ask a question. And so the, the caller will say, for instance, um, uh, Mr. Future President, uh, what do you think of uh, red flag laws regarding guns? Are you for them, against them? And then what they the answer a question do, about something completely different because the caller has been uh, flushed like a uh, like a like a used hanky, used uh, toilet paper, gone. And uh, then the politician answers any old thing they want to answer because uh, there's nobody to hold them accountable. Right. And and all of the listeners, or 90% of them, sh- sheep that they are, don't notice what, what just happened. And the, o- the only people that notice are the caller, who is then, at that very moment, is, is talking to the... Uh, the um, politician that just uh, deflected the question, did not answer the question, uh, not knowing that they've already been silenced. Because remember that the, when, when the, the, as soon as the caller asks the question, one, the, one of two things is done by the host, because they, they have two options that are commonly exercised. One, uh, if they're being nice, the host will mute the caller. So the caller is actually still on the phone and can still hear the politician and usually does not hear any switching noise on the line. A trained ear can, can pick up that, they, that they've been muted. A trained caller can pick up that their voice has been muted. I just but muted you, David. Difficult. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> no. Yeah, I, well, could, very well, could very well be. The, but I did right there. And you're back. And you're back. If, if yeah. <laughs> Did you dump the, yeah. Now I heard the static. So that, so any, any one of two different or any one of any one of different things could have happened there. So I don't know when my voice was being heard and when it was not. You do, but I, I, the caller don't right. even with a trained ear. And so uh, the, like getting back to the two options, the, the caller will either be muted and still on the line. And most callers will, will think that their voice is still being heard. So they, the caller may even be talking and and uh, nobody is hearing them yep, except that for themselves. Sure, right. And 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 then if the, if the host wants to be really tricky, they can then unmute the caller, and the caller can be heard again. And the caller will never know that they had been muted for five seconds, ten seconds, twenty seconds, whatever it, whatever it was. Right. Right. Um, and not and neither will the listener over the air. One of the, the reasons I would say, is, in defense of that particular practice, I get some kind of feedback yeah, here, David, so I'm going to mute down. you for just a second. Um, one of the, the the defenses of that practice is just what happened, right? So I was getting some talk back on David's line, and you can't hear it now. Now, I don't know if his line's fixed, but I've got him on hold, so you can't hear it. 
And sometimes you'll have background noise, and you know what Ian will do is sometimes use a potentiometer to slide it down so the background noise goes down, and a variety of things can be done. But go ahead, David. Right, and then presumably I'm back. Yes, I, I was either I'm either back or I was dumped. Yeah, okay, so I'm back. <laughs> I heard, yeah, so I heard heard the static. But but anyway, and and the other thing that the host uh, will often do uh, is they'll the, the second you ask the question. They immediately dump your call, so yep. you're com- you're completely gone. And then, like like you said, Mark, then the like in the, the question that I posed to the future president is, you know, what do you think of uh, uh, red flag laws uh, regarding guns? Are you uh, for or against? And then the the president uh, candidate will say, um, I, I support firearm firearms rights. I really do. And did they answer the question? No, no. because I didn't ask about firearms rights. I asked about a specific law. That I'm interested in, and that's the game. That's the game they play. So, it's, David, it's the truth, absolutely. You want to hold David over? Well, I just want to tell him that we're doing Freer Talk Live, and there will be a politician on. Nobody who's running for mayor of Keene. There you go. Get him, David. Do Freer Talk Live. Yeah. How do they find him tonight at ten thirty? Uh, I, I guess on Twitch or Discord. Yeah, our Twitch, our Twitch channel, Free Talk Live. Do you have a crypto wealth advisor or coach? If so, has your cryptocurrency advisor been investing in technology stocks for over 20 years? Have they left the corporate world and retired? Or are they still trying to make a weekly paycheck? Have they produced six-figure results for their customers in the past 30 days? And very importantly, are they a member of the Digital Currency Council? Seth Maniscalco is the founder of Crypto Wealth Coach and CryptoWealthCoach.com. Seth invested in his first Roth IRA at 19 years old while living abroad and has been investing in Wall Street and technology for over 20 years with experience in all the money markets. By comparison, so many of these so-called crypto gurus have barely been alive for 20 years. Seth has not only experienced personal success from his own investments in crypto, he has also helped his clients earn six and seven figure incomes, including helping investors make over three quarters of a million dollars in EOS in 90 days and 1,225% in only five and a half months with Chainlink. Seth has help for the small do-it-yourself guy on up to crypto whales. Increase your wealth. Visit CryptoWealthCoach.com. Free Talk Live. Call in. Talk about whatever's on your mind. The number is 855-450-3733. It's 855-450-FREE. want to advise you to join the State of Anarchy, folks, this September the 13th through the 15th. So not long from now, like nine days for the conference Anarchadelphia. It's a conference dedicated to the principles of liberty, individual sovereignty, and freedom from coercion located in, you guessed it, Philadelphia, the cradle of liberty. Anarchadelphia seeks to promote self-ownership by shining light on issues ranging from geopolitics, blockchain economics, and spiritual health and wellness, as well as by exposing the Earth's sacred hidden knowledge. Featuring Mark Passio, Jeff Berwick, Max Egan, Derek Bros, Luke Rudkowski, Carrie uh, Wedler, and many more of the most influential minds in the freedom community. All Anarchadelphia guests are invited to attend three uniquely stylized after parties, Friday through Sunday, where they can let loose their favorite freedom advocates. So, 
let loose with their favorite favorite freedom advocates. Sadly, we can't make this. Um, there's a yeah. There's there's a conflict, and I'm sorry. I would like to go to this event very much, and that's why I'm doing these reads for the Anarchadelphia folks because I think it's going to be a great event. And be advised, I am not charging them for these live reads. I, uh, I for more information, go to anarchadelphia.com. Anarcha. Delphia.com and follow on social media for updates. I think it's going to be a great event, and these guys uh, are a lot of fun. So, anarchadelphia.com. If you're in that vicinity, I would recommend it highly to go and check it out. The and- uh, the guys who are putting on this event uh, did a show with Ernie Hancock a couple weeks ago that was pretty good. And it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't make it either. I got to get my house all winter ready. Uh, but yeah, I think you are doing time. a special show tonight though. Yes, I am. Um, and tell me how to view this show. You go to the uh, Twitch channel, the Twitch channel or and live. It'll be streaming. on. Right. So that's twitch.lrn.fm and d live.lrn.fm. Those are the two ways to go, uh, view what you're doing. So it's going to be myself, nobody formerly mm-hmm. known as rich Paul and, uh, our friend silver Dave. That should and, be a fun show. Those and we're, we're going to just, you know, kind of talk about what's on our mind. And I know Dave's really into this gun church thing and wants to talk about that. And um, we're going to talk about some campaign strategies with nobody, you know, maybe getting some horses up here in a hayride wagon in the keen and having some fun with that in, in the near future. If possible. Shoot the bull, as it were. Yeah, we're going to shoot the bull, basically. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, tell me, uh, let's get back to the story here, how uh, weed is saving lives of, of uh, folks addicted to heroin in Colorado. Back to the article. Uh, while numerous studies have shown an association between medical marijuana legalization and opioid overdose deaths, this report is one of the first to look at the impact of recreational marijuana laws on opioid deaths. Marijuana. So as opposed to medical marijuana, which is the same as recreational marijuana. <laughs> Except you need special licenses. Right. And it's, in Colorado, you have to, so you have a little permission slip so you can go get marijuana. And there's, I think there's no tax on it. To where in, in Colorado, you know, the thing was, hey, everybody want to go see a, a cannabis dispensary, but it'd be like 25% tax or something crazy. And, yeah, I think that there's uh, in the medical. There was no tax. From yeah, I, what I understand. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you, um, you know, what the jurisdictions go. But I know that there is a tax on recreational weed in Colorado. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, they're doing they're doing lots of things with that money. Uh, yep. If you're in some uh, jurisdiction around America, just understand that the places that are enjoying the most uh, taxes right now are the places that have legalized weed. You, what you've got going is you've got the police unions that you're feeding money into and they're costing lots of uh, lots of cash. But you've got to pay for that anyway, whether you have legal weed or not. Well, the weed is taxed and you get the revenue. The Essentially, the law enforcement industrial complex was very anti-cannabis uh, legalization in Colorado. They, the, the Police Officers Association put in tremendous amount of money against this, yeah. and the lawyers and the whole nine yards. And Aaron, I'm not surprised. I mean, maybe, the, maybe the, the answer in these red states that don't want to legalize weed is, is just offer the tax revenue to the cops. <laughs> well, my stepfather... Who, he owns uh, like about a thousand acres out there, mm-hmm. and in Colorado, in Colorado, he farms you know big farm operation, and he actually uh, I don't know exactly how what it was, but it was like a rebate he got 
and he wasn't on board with his can't. He wasn't on board with legal dope, as he called it. Yeah. Oh, all the dopers are going to be coming here from California and the hippies and well. Here's a surprise for you. It's basically been legal in California since the mid-90s. So uh, uh, They had a medical marijuana, but it was the most lax law in America. So when he got a uh, a rebate check from the county because he overpaid his property tax because they took this um, county money that because there's like a state tax and a county tax, I guess, yep. on cannabis. And they took the county money and they put it towards the schools. So what had happened is... Uh, everybody not or a whole bunch of large landowners who pay a massive amount of school tax got some relief, and all of a sudden they were they were cool with it. Oh well, suddenly weed's okay, right? Yeah, Reef for rebate. Reef for rebate. The reef for rebate. <laughs> Back to the article. Marijuana is often highly effective at treating the same types of chronic pain that patients are often prescribed opiates for. Given the choice between marijuana and opiates, many patients appear to be opting for the former. Uh, I know people who, uh, like, are afraid to take opiates. Sure, I am. Deathly afraid. Even myself, I had a tooth pulled a few weeks ago, and I'm like, I don't need, like, pain meds for this. He's like, no, maybe a little, um, you know, ibuprofen or something. I said, okay, I don't want any opiates. He goes, no. He goes, goes, a lot of people don't want opiates. Yeah. And and, and they're clear about that. This dentist told me. Well, I, I I had some, I was prescribed opiates. This was back, oh gosh, it has to have been 15 years now, uh, for an automobile accident. And I wasn't really in any kind of pain or anything like that. It's just like, that's what they did. They just prescribed them to you. And I said, slid it back across the counter and said, no thanks. Yeah, good. Uh, I just, I, I don't want anything to do with this. I don't want somebody taking this script. I don't want anything to do with it. You can have this script back. And I have taken a, uh, an oxycodone, a half an oxycodone, one time. And I had ruptured an eardrum from a, you know, diving in a pool. Uh, you know, I was getting my diving thing. And I have learned since that I really have to equalize. But nonetheless, it was the most, one of the most painful experiences of my life. Mm. I took this and suddenly the pain was gone. Life like within, got better. Right, right. Life got better. I'm talking about my childhood with my wife, and I'm like, you know, I don't think we need to go to the hospital anymore. We turned around. I went, and she put me to bed, and um, in the morning, I felt better. Most of the pain was gone, and I didn't need to take it again. So I'm not saying that one doesn't need, that that, that these pills shouldn't exist. I'm just saying that, you know, you got you are responsible for your health. You are responsible for uh, your status of being addicted to something, and you've got to determine what your life's going to be like. And that's what I, I'm glad I did at that time, and, you know, thank goodness. Back to the article. From a public health standpoint, this is a positive development, considering that the relative, oh, considering that relative to opiates, marijuana carries essentially zero risk fatal overdose right you're not gonna you're just not gonna overdose on the weed you're gonna overdose on alcohol or by you know anything uh, before you're gonna overdose on weed now the study overdose and die now the study in the american journal of public health suggests that similar findings hold true for recreational marijuana legalization the authors examined trends in monthly uh, opiate overdose facilities in colorado before and after the state's recreational marijuana market opened in 2014. They attempted to isolate the effect of recreational rather than medical marijuana by comparing Colorado to Nevada, which allowed 
medical but not recreational marijuana during that period. So, I mean, you know, at this point they're saying about 6% uh, the, the change has been about 6% to the positive of deaths of people um, in Colorado because of the legalization of weed and uh, as a recreational status. I think that's great. I also think that it's likely true because marijuana is pretty good for pain and a lot of people use it for that. So, Well, yeah. opiates don't actually deal with the pain. They deal with brain receptors that sense pain. And marijuana actually deals with pain in a certain particular way. 855-450-3733. It's 855-450. Free Talk Live. Final segment. Might be able to squeeze your call in. I'll give the numbers out if I... Uh, we'll see. It's Mark with you. Jay. Michael. And I want to thank the amplifiers. If you go to amp.freetalklive.com, you can support Free Talk Live and allow us to bring this ability to speak freely here on the airwaves on 200 radio stations to even more people and even more podcast listeners. I want to thank specifically today David, who is a uh, Free Talk Live amplifier, silver amplifier. And David, without, uh, without folks like you, we wouldn't be able to do it. So go to amp.freetalklive.com and do as David has done. It's amp.freetalklive.com. Let's go to Ron calling in from New York. Ron, you're on Free Talk Live listening to WGGO. Hey, good evening. I heard you mention the uh, Oxycontin. That's one of the things this Epstein guy uh, was using on some of the girls to stupor them. He has a shop set up in North Jersey, a couple speakeasies. And one of the girls has a site. It's a blog she wrote, Danielle Sattel, S-I-T-T-E-L, on Google. <laughs> and the picture of the hand over the glass, captioned, please admit, you drive the 3940, she says, pay attention. Thanks for the call, Ron. Really appreciate it. <laughs> it's, uh, I, whenever he calls in and pushes this uh, Sattel thing, uh, I'm told to, uh, to dump it. Ian has gotten irritated with the uh, promotion of the site. So, I mean... Is there any validity to the Epstein thing? I, I mean, have no idea what I it, wouldn't doubt for a second that Epstein was uh sounds like a like that's like the classical way to like get the um you know, consenting, you know, young yeah. prostitutes is to get them hooked on dope. Yeah, yeah. Uh well I mean, you know, alcohol and drugs have been used for a long time mm-hmm. to get some uh consent out of uh some folks and well Yeah, you know. cocaine, uh, from what I understand is a currency of strippers. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't know, uh, but uh, I, I got a friend of mine. He's he's uh, from high school. He works in a strip joint, and he's convinced that the state police of Massachusetts are distributing all the cocaine, and they're the ones who distribute it in the in the strip joint that he works for, and it's like a huge thing. Wow! Uh, he talks t- tells me about this stuff all the time. Let's go to the the amp only Discord call in line. The Christian Anarchist uh, here. Gene, can you hear me? How are you doing, guys? Good. Hello. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I wanted to call about Muslims because I just came back from a three-week drive around Europe, and I got to uh, rub elbows with a lot of Muslims in the gas stations and stuff when I stopped for gas. And, what did you drive, um, a diesel or a gasoline? It was diesel. Nice. Yeah, it was a, a diesel Renault. Yep. You got about 30, uh, 35. 38 miles a gallon and did it go good uh, it went pretty good i got it up on the autobahn i got it up to about 110 miles an hour 
That's fine. Which was about yeah. the, about I hope the you're in the slow lane. Yeah, I wouldn't go much faster than that. But anyway, um, I went through Munich and I went through uh, Italy and France, and I saw I ran into a lot of Muslims. There's a lot of Muslims in Europe. Okay. Now, I also ran into someone at uh, our church gathering who is one of those diehard Trump fans. And a European he, Trump fan? Yeah, no, this is at our church here. Okay. And uh, so he was telling me, you know, and I told him we went around Europe, and I said, he got to talking about the Muslims there, and I said, yeah, there's a lot of Muslims. I ran, ran into a lot of them. Um, but my, my uh, impression of the Muslims that I ran into, and I'm sure there are some criminal gang Muslims over there that'll slit your throat. But the ones that I ran into were friendly. They talked to me. They would, uh, you know, uh, they they didn't seem uh, like they hated me. Um, they just seemed like they were trying to buy their gas or get their groceries or whatever it is they were doing and then be on their way on and live their life. They had their fam, their wives and their children. And uh, so you mean the they weren't monsters? Of, no, they weren't monsters. In fact, for the most part, yep, the Muslims I would imagine, love their children too. Yep. <laughs> I would imagine they're in a very bad situation in their country and they're just trying to get out of there. The countries have been bombed to crap mainly by us or well, not by me. I or the Saudis with it. American bombs. Yeah. But somehow, you know, they've all been bombed by U.S. dollars. And so they wanted to get out of there. I. I would do the same thing. I would take my family out of there. And this guy was so afraid that it's some kind of Muslim invasion. And yes, there's a lot of Muslims immigrating. But here's this experience that we've had in our very own medical practice is we would have, uh, there's this family that comes in and grandma has, you know, she doesn't have a full hajiban, but she's obviously all bundled up like a Muslim woman. And then the daughter is there, and she's just wearing a scarf and some very common-looking Western clothing. And then there's the granddaughter, who's probably 18, and she's wearing cut-off jeans. Yeah, and none a, of that. You know, she's a, having none of blouse, that. <laughs> you know, a blouse that's kind of low and nothing over her hair. Right. And so this is the thing that happens with people that immigrate. The children reject the training of the parents. It's kind of a thing. Assimilation I mean, it's to the culture. History. Yeah. Yeah. Th this happens throughout history. So yes, there's a lot of Muslims coming to Europe and now more and more here. And some of them may be bad. And I'm not saying that there aren't any bad ones, but I would say that the greatest portion of them are just like my ancestors who were Italian and they were kind of looked down upon. And, you know, they didn't like those dirty Italians when they immigrated over here. But, you know, I've got... Or no the Italian Irish much either, from what I understand. This is something Irish, I've pointed yeah. out over and over again. And, um, you know, some people really take it to heart. Other people, you know, they've got this... Uh, they've got this... Uh, this this cudgel that they want to uh, beat with, uh, you know, the drum they want to beat for Muslims. And basically the problem is welfare. If you make a system where, um, you know, Abdul can leave, uh, you know, his wife at home and she doesn't get to get out and mix with the American ladies at work 
and you know maybe after work with uh, you know after they go out or whatever it is that they do if she if they're not mixing then of course you're going to have this problem of assimilation but if you make it so that free people can cross the borders of countries freely but they get no handouts then you're going to have an entirely different situation because Abdul's going to have to put the wife to work so that the family can uh, you know, do well and that kind of thing, at which point she's going to go to work and she's going to be like, how come I'm wearing this uh, restrictive clothing and these ladies are running around uh, you know, without all this uh, stuff on? How come I have to be the different one? And whatever it is, they're going to assimilate. Look, the Middle East was pretty darn Western before the CIA kept poking its nose into their business over there and, and creating these islamic jihadist monsters this is a a creation of the cia to destabilize these nations well even if it wasn't a, an enemy to fight even if it wasn't a direct uh creation even if it was an indirect creation well, they helped fuel it one certainly cannot deny the uh the correlation and and i would go ahead and say the causation um that I mean, you know, all you have to do is take a look at Western countries and the CIA specifically, their involvement in over there in the Middle East in the 50s and the 60s and how this just kept on growing. Yeah, you're right. Churchill didn't like the Muslims. And yeah, that was before the CIA's involvement. Absolutely. And places places like Libya, before we got involved in there, were going very, very Western. They had nightclubs. You know, the girls didn't have to wear the the, the restrictive clothing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was very forward moving before we got in there and messed it all up. Baghdad, Mosul, uh, you know, Iran. All of them. Yeah. All of it. All of them. And and so I don't blame the people for wanting to get out of there. Well, who wants to live there? I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to live there. I'd want to get out and go someplace that's uh, freer and hopefully not change it uh, too much to return to the things that I, you know, came from. But and I think a lot of them don't want to change it. I think a lot of them are saying are secretly hoping that those in their particular group that want to change it will not be successful. I think there's a lot of them that are saying, you know, they've got their Muhammad or whatever that's in front of the crowd saying how much he wants to get on the, you know, bring in this restrictive law and stuff. But I'll bet you that 50% or more of the people listening to Muhammad are hoping that he fails. <laughs> I think um, that probably one of the big sticking points seem to be in some, some of these countries in the United States included is uh, pork in public school meals. So, you know, like th- this could be used as a sort of an anti-Muslim tool to me. They can Look, bring their own food. Well, I think they should be able to bring their own food, and absolutely probably should do that. But I don't think that you should just purposely have pork in the meal. I mean, have an option. There shouldn't God's be public sake. schools. Well, well, how about yeah. we just get rid of children's meals altogether, and everybody just brings a sack lunch? I brought a sack lunch when I was young. I think you might be right. 855-450. I'm giving the telephone number. Check out freetalklive.com. Simon. You're not a wild animal, and you shouldn't be tagged and tracked like one. Where you go and what you do every minute of the day, tracked and recorded by your mobile phone, is often more revealing than your browser history. And tech companies make a fortune selling your location history without your consent. Go Dark Bags prevent location tracking and protect your privacy by instantly blocking all cell phone, GPS, and Wi-Fi signals to your mobile device. Plus, they're durable, water-resistant, and built for a lifetime of protection. Visit GoDarkBags.com forward slash FTL. That's GoDarkBags.com forward slash FTL.